Hey, does anybody believe that there is nothing like the Word of God? Anyone believe that? Okay, if you believe that, I want you to remember that because in a minute we're going to speak on that very subject. But before that, you know that I have to start with something a little bit funny. And uh, it, <laughs> listen, if this joke makes you mad, I tested it on our Wednesday night Bible study and they liked it. So blame them, not me, okay? All right, so there was, um, there was one time some people gathering in a, in a service one day. And there was a loud crash of lightning, and there was thunder and wind and everything like that. And at the front of the room appeared the devil himself. And people just freaked out. They got up and ran out of the room. Even the pastor and the deacons and the musicians all ran out until eventually there was just one man sitting on the front with his arms crossed. And the devil said, son, don't you know who I am? And the man said, yes, I do. And he said, well, why aren't you afraid? And the man just laughed and he said, well, why would I be afraid? I've been married to your sister for 30 years. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Let's move past that. Uh, <laughs> let's move on past that. Don't get me in trouble, all right? Don't get me in trouble. Come on now. Uh, hey, so <laughs> right now we're... Um, Pastor Josh shared this. Uh, we're in the middle of this series, and it's called Listen Up. And this series, Listen Up, it's all about how do we hear and understand the voice of God. Now, would anybody in this room be honest with me today and say that there have been times in your life where you have become frustrated because you have not been able to hear the voice of God? Anybody other than me? You tried and you tried and you hear the preachers talking about how God said this. And, and man, you prayed and you asked for a sign and you asked for a dream. And you read about Gideon throwing out the fleece. So you went and bought a fleece and threw it. I mean, you tried everything, right? And yet you just still feel this frustration of God. Why can't I hear your voice? Well, today I am privileged and I am excited to preach a message that is going to address a way that is a guaranteed, and I do mean a guaranteed way, that we can hear the voice of God consistently and daily without fail. Without doubt, I promise you, you can hear the voice of God anytime and any place. And as I'm opening the sermon, I want to bring us back because I was writing in my office and, and as I was preparing for this sermon and thought, how do I start this? I remembered back to about six and a half, coming up on seven years ago now, to one of the very first times that God spoke something to me to write in a sermon. So I was a very young youth pastor. I was given the chance to speak to adults for the very first time. It was at a Sunday night service. Some of y'all may remember Sunday night services. Uh, so there were maybe 40 people that showed up. And my, and I can't make this up, my hand of God, somebody while I was preaching fell asleep and uh, fell asleep like this, sitting down with their head bent down and it cut off his circulation. He slept so hard, he passed out and we had to call the ambulance. So here, here's your encouragement. If you ever speak on a stage and you get off and you feel like, man, I really bombed. I didn't do that well. Stop and think for a second and remind yourself, at least I didn't put someone to sleep so hard we had to call the ambulance, all right? Be encouraged by that. At least you didn't do that if you ever speak and feel like you didn't do a good job. So I don't remember if the sermon went well. 
Uh, but here's what I do remember. God gave me a very specific message, and I remember it because it was the first time to speak in that sermon six and a half years ago. And now today, six and a half years later, it couldn't go more perfectly with what we're talking about. So I'm going to read to you what God shared with me six and a half years ago. Here it is. Y'all pay attention to this with me. I said, so often we beg God to speak to us. We beg him to answer our prayers. We beg him to give us direction and to give us a word. But if we were to actually stop and listen to him, I believe that he would say, I have already spoken to you about that issue. I have already given you the answer to that problem. Not only have I already given it to you, but I put it in writing for you 2,000 years ago, and it's sitting on your shelf collecting dust. Today... We are going to talk about something that never fails. We are going to talk about something that never returns void. We are going to talk about something that is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing joint and marrow, soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We are going to talk about the power of the Word of God today. How many of you know there is nothing like his word. There is absolutely nothing like his word. So today the goal of this sermon is a few things. First of all, I want to remind us that God wants to speak to us through his word. I so believe, I, deep within me I believe that so often we chase every other kind of sign. We chase prophecy and we chase dreams and we want the big sign from the Lord. And God does all those things. But so oftentimes God is saying, hey, if you just get in the word, you'd find the answer to what you're looking for. So God wants to speak to us through his word. Number two, I want us to realize the power of his word. Because I think so often we forget just how powerful the word of God is. And then number three, the third goal for this sermon, and this is going to sound a little bit weird. We're going to get to it at the end. But the third goal is to inspire us to fall in love with the word of God. To fall in love and to crave the word of God. Of God. We're going to jump right on into the points today. I'm not going to waste any time. If you're taking notes, we're going to talk about answering the question, how powerful is his word? So if you're in your notes right now, the title is going to be how powerful is his word? And we're going to answer that question scripturally by looking at truths from God's word. And the first truth we're going to look at, point number one, answering that question is that his word is alive and active. His word is alive and it is active. You heard me say it a minute ago. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that his word, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing joint and marrow, soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Amen. Now, that, that's a big verse. It's a lot. It, it's very poetic. It sounds good. But let's unpack it for just a second and let's understand what that means. His word is alive and it's active. So in the Greek, that word alive right there literally is translated as to live. So that's act, it's very simple. That's one of the few Greek words that translates exactly the same to English. There's no nuance there. It's the same. So that one's easy. However, this word active, when it says that the word of God is alive and active, it translates a little more interestingly, and I think we have it on the screen. It's a word called energes. And if you pronounce it right, 
It would really be inner hiss, but uh, for us East Texans, we're going to go with inner Jace today, all right? And let me ask you this. Now let's put our thinking caps on. What word in English sounds like that word inner Jace? Energy. So some of y'all are already tracking with what I'm about to say. The same word that we get the word energy from, the root word of it is the Greek word energes. And what is, it is defined as in the ancient Greek is something that is effective and at work and productively accomplishing results. Now, what does that mean? That means that when we read this Bible, we are not reading an old antiquated book with a bunch of dead words. We are reading the living, breathing word of God that is effectively at work and productively accomplishing results in our lives. That's what happens when we read the word of God. His word is alive and it is active. That's the theological way of explaining this. Let me give you a one-liner that's understandable for all of us, including myself. You can read other books, but the Bible reads you. Let me say that one more time because there's power in repetition. We can read other books, but the Bible is the only book that reads you. Why? Because it is the only book that is living and breathing and alive and active, the inspired word of God. Now, let me ask you this. Anybody ever opened up your Bible? You needed to hear God's voice. You were, you were low. You were discouraged. You, you needed encouragement. You needed joy. And you opened up this Bible to a random place, and it opened up, and God led you to the exact place you needed to read in that exact situation in your exact circumstance. Anybody ever experienced that? Now, let me ask you a question. Do we think that's a coincidence? Do we think that's a happy little accident? No, it is because this word is alive and active, and that's what the scripture means when it says that it penetrates and it divides and it shows us our inwardmost thoughts and expressions of the heart. That's what it's doing when we open up that word. Anybody ever experienced this? You'll read a scripture one year, and it'll speak something to you. A year later, you're in a totally different season, a totally different set of circumstances. You read the same scripture, and it speaks something totally different to you. That word is alive and active. And the first step is us understanding that this is not, some people would have us believe that it's antiquated. Some people would have us believe that God did not write it literally. Some would have us believe, oh, it's a good book. It's got a lot of great philosophical writings. No, it's the inspired word of God. That is 100% what it is, and it's 100% how we should apply it to our lives. It is alive, and it is active. Point number two today on the truth of the power of God's word. Number two is that his word gives us direction. His word, another way to say this would be, is our compass, is our GPS. Psalm 119, verse 105. You'll hear me read through this uh, chapter a lot today, 119. It says, your word, talking about God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp for our feet, a light to our path. That means that the word of God literally lights up the path for us so that we can see the truth and we can walk in the truth. Now, I came across a quote when preparing this sermon today, and at first, I wasn't really sure if I actually liked this quote, because it's very tough, 
And it's very in your face, but the more I I sort of ruminated on this quote, the more I realized how true it is. And it says, y'all get ready because it's going to step on our toes today. You cannot do the will of God if you do not know the word of God. That'll preach, y'all. I don't even have to say anything more. I will, but I I don't have to. (laughs) So we cannot do the will of God if we do not know the word of God. Let me tell you uh, uh, something that God used to sort of bring this to life and to show me how true this is. The other day I was watching a a clip uh, from an episode of of TV. It's one of those therapist shows where they bring the families on and they have them hash out their... It was Dr. Phil, okay? Don't judge me. (laughs) I watched an episode of Dr. Phil. Let's just move past it. It was Dr. Phil. So (laughs) I'm watching Dr. Phil and uh, on on the TV, I I see that there is this set of grandparents that come out and they're Christian, and, and, and they make it known that they're Christian. They're not crazy. They're just, they believe in Jesus. Uh, and they're very concerned because their daughter-in-law, now listen to this, their daughter-in-law is a self-proclaimed witch. She is a self-proclaimed witch who casts, I mean, spells and does incantations, has a cauldron. I mean, the whole nine yards, okay? So she's a self-proclaimed witch. She is raising their granddaughter in that same environment. And she is also raising their granddaughter, who is a toddler in diapers, to believe that she is gender fluid and without pronouns. And that's not me trying to be controversial or stir stuff up. I'm just telling you what I saw. And so I'm watching this, and I'm going, golly, I I hope that that this little girl gets help. You know, I I hope that this daughter-in-law's eyes are open to the truth. And as I'm watching it, my jaw begins to drop as I realize what I'm watching because every time the daughter-in-law would speak about her right to cast spells and be a witch and raise her granddaughter in confusion, the audience would actively clap and cheer. Every time the grandparents would mention Christian values, the audience would boo. And it shocked me. First off, it broke my heart. Second off, it shocked me to realize that we are now in a day and age where darkness is actively embraced and encouraged and light is actively shunned away. And I realized as I was preparing this sermon that the root of why this is happening is because we are living in a world that has rejected the word of God so they don't know how to live in the will of God. Because if we had not rejected the word of God, our society would know that the Bible says to give no foothold to the enemy. We would know that the Bible says to not give the enemy a place of witchcraft in our heart. And we would know that the Bible says that that little girl is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Christ. And they don't need to change her identity because God created her as he intended her to be created. We are living in a world that has rejected the word of God in lieu of what they desire. And as Christians, we have got to accept because there are even Christians who are putting the word to the side. We have got to realize that this Bible is the lamp to our feet and the light into our path. And it is what gives us direction. Let me give you a challenge. Let me end this point with a challenge. In the coming week, and I need to take this too. Don't take this as me saying that this is what I do. You should do it too. No, Jordan needs to practice this as much as anyone in this room. 
The next time you are facing a decision that you need direction on, you're confused, you're not sure of what to do, where to go, before you seek a single word of human advice, human advice, first off, pray. Second off, see what the Bible says about it. Before you look up YouTube or Google or before you call your best friend or whoever, see what the word says and pray about it and watch how much better our lives will go if we'll do it that way. The word is a light into our lamp into our feet and a light into our path, and it gives us direction. Number three, the point number three today is that his word is constant. Now, this is one of my favorite points, and at first it doesn't sound too exciting. Sure, it's constant, but let's get into this a little bit. Isaiah 40, verse 8, this is in the NLT. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. His word stands forever. We don't realize how special that is because how many of you know that nothing in this life is a guarantee? Can we agree with that? (laughs) Our job, our finances, our livelihood, the gas prices, nothing is a guarantee. Amen? There is nothing from day to day, hour to hour that we know for sure will be there. However, even when everything else fades, even if the world crumbles at our feet and it all seems hopeless, we know that we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so by consequentially, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remains the same no matter what. If you need one-liner, some people just, they they like one-liner preaching. So here's another one-liner for you, all right? God's word never changes. It only changes us. This doesn't change, and we are not designed to change it. It is designed to change you and me. His word is constant. There is no better comfort in life than knowing that no matter what, you can go to this word and you can hear from the Lord. Let me share with you one of the last times I cried. I'm not, I'm not generally a person who cries a lot, uh, but this past uh, round of School of Discipleship, uh, and by the way, if you've never been through our School of Discipleship, or if it's been a few years since you have, it's been revamped, such an awesome program. If you want to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and ministry and leadership, come through SOD. It, SOD. it takes place during small group semesters. You'll hear us announce it. But during the last round of school discipleship level two, which is about leadership and ministry, uh, Pastor Hillary was, was teaching a lesson in SOD. And as she's teaching this SOD lesson, she's talking about a season that she had been through in life that was just a, a really dark and depressing season and a time of, uh, of, of overwhelming in her life that, that really just um, hurt her a lot. And she said something as I'm listening to her teach that absolutely brought me to tears. I was sitting in the class weeping. Some of them probably saw me. I tried to turn away, but I was so overwhelmed by what God was speaking. This is what she said. She said, and listen to this church, please. She said, during this season, there are so many times that I desperately wanted to hear the voice of God, but I just couldn't. I felt alone. I felt abandoned. I tried everything I could, but I could not hear the voice of God. And then she said, and during those moments, during those moments where I could not feel his presence, she said, the only peace I could find, whew, 
The only comfort there was, the only way that I knew God would speak to me was to open up his word. No matter the season you are in, no matter how alone you feel, the one way that we know, that we know, that we know that we can hear God and find his comfort and to find his peace, even when we can't find anything else, is to open up his word and to allow him to minister to us. There is nothing like the word of God. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says this. Isaiah 55 11 in the New King James Version says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Now, this is actually in Isaiah prophetically speaking about the Messiah, about Jesus. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. His word will not return void. A moment reading the word of God is never a moment wasted. You will never get to the end of your life and say, man, I wish I had read less of his word. A moment in God's word is never a moment wasted. Why? Because his word is always constantly accomplishing and prospering in the thing for which he sent it. His word is constant. Point number four. We have a couple points left quickly today. Number four, about the truth of how powerful his word is. His word keeps our hearts pure. Now, there are certain scriptures in the Bible that are absolutely explosive. And when I say explosive, I mean they're so powerful, they could tear down entire doctrines, entire theologies. They're almost hard to even comprehend. They're so powerful. And I believe I'm about to read one of those scriptures right now. And it doesn't seem like it on the surface, but read this with me. Psalm 119, verse 11. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, sure, that sounds like a good verse. Let me read it again. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, those words might not in the Hebrew translate more closely to shall not or will not. So let me rearrange this verse grammatically a little bit and show us how powerful it is. Let's say it this way. Because I have hidden your word in my heart, I will not sin against you. Do we realize how powerful this is? That the Bible is telling us that when our hearts are filled up with his word, when his word is hidden within our hearts, it acts as a shield of purity that we might not sin against God. <laughs> Anybody struggle with sin? <laughs> I'll raise my legs, my hands, whatever. Anybody want to struggle less with sin? Well, listen to what God says. Fill our hearts with his word that we might not sin against him. It's powerful. It's so powerful. You see, we, we confuse what happened on the cross. What we don't realize is that on the cross, sin was defeated. The moment your sin touched his blood, you became holy, righteous, redeemed at the feet of the cross. In fact, it says that God took away your old life and literally gave you a brand new life. So now that you've been given that new life and that new heart, 
Our job is to fill our new heart with the word of God rather than filling it with the old stuff from the old life so that we can walk in the fullness of life that God has intended us to be in. Hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me end this point with something that is going to just make you smile so big. It made me smile big. I hope it does for you too. Uh, a couple verses before Psalm 119.11, I have um, in your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, is another verse, Psalm 119.9, and it says, how can a young person remain pure by obeying the word of God? Okay, so let me give you a shout out to some young people who are filling their hearts with the word of God and living in purity because of it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had some youth girls, Aaliyah and Kayla uh, and Natalie and Jamie. They went out for coffee, and while they're at coffee, Aaliyah goes, they're at Standpipe downtown. She goes, hey, we should get some chalk, and we should write scriptures on the sidewalk. Right? So they go and they write these scriptures and they, and they, you know, just a couple of them and write these scriptures. They come to service. They're telling me all about it. They're so excited. And then Aaliyah goes, we should start a ministry. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I didn't know how serious she was. Well, a couple of days later, I'm on Facebook and they've started a ministry. <laughs> and so a week later, yeah. A week later, that next Wednesday, I look and I think we have some pictures that are going to go up on the screen. We may not. But I look on Facebook, and the streets of downtown are filled with youth writing scriptures of encouragement on the ground. How cool is that? Hey, keep that picture up there. Keep it up there. Look at this. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying the word of God. Give them a hand clap, y'all. Give them a hand clap of praise in here today. Woo! Awesome. Awesome. Hey, if you've got youth aid students who want to be involved in that, that takes place on Wednesdays at 4 o'clock. They meet downtown at Standpipe, and then they do the chalking, and then they come to church afterwards. They carpool. I don't know if they drive safe or not, but they do carpool. Uh, bring your kids to that if you want to. That would be awesome for them to get involved with. Uh, last point, number five here today, before we get ready to close. Last point, the truth of the power of his word is that his word leads us to freedom. Let me read for you another very powerful scripture in the Bible. It's found in John 8, verse 32. And it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Probably we, anybody who's been in church has heard that verse several times. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, what if I told you that that verse was only half of a thought? Only half. This is something in biblical terms that we would call exegetical principles. I'm going to give you all a lesson if you want to learn to study the Bible. Anytime you see a verse that starts with and, it is not a complete thought. You need to go back and you need to read what prefaces that and to get the full thought. Because John 8.32 is very popular. John 8.31 is not. But they both make one complete thought together. Let's read it right now. John 8.31 and verse 32 says, Then Jesus said to those who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah, that's powerful. Because we all know about, yeah, we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. But do you know the truth that Jesus was referencing? 
It was the Word. When we know the Word, we live in the Word, and we will know the truth of the Word, and that truth will set us free. In three weeks, I'm going to be preaching again on a Sunday morning, the first week of August, uh, and I'm going to be preaching a message on the cross, and just heads up, a teaser, I've never been more excited to preach than this sermon coming up in three weeks, because I fully believe that the church has an entire lack of understanding of what took place on the cross, so be there for that if you can. At that sermon, I'm going to tell a very personal story that I haven't told before of how God delivered me and set me free of a religious works-based spirit. Very powerful story uh, in my life. Hopefully, it'll be powerful for some of you. But today, let me give you a little teaser of it. It goes so well with the message. Do you want to know what God used to set me free of that religious works-based spirit? It didn't happen on a Sunday morning. Did it happen with a prayer partner? Did it happen while I was listening to a worship song? It happened while I was reading the Word of God. His Word sets us free. I was in my room. I was at a low point. I was just so caught up in, in religion and in these spiritual ties. And God led me to the Word. And for the first time in a year or two, I opened up that Bible, not out of necessity or because I had to, but because I wanted to. And God used His Word that day to set me free, which leads me to my closing as we get ready to close in here today. My first gut reaction when I was writing this sermon was I said, well, I'll close it practically. You know, you kind of get in habits at, at, when you write a bunch of teachings and sermons, you follow a pattern. So I go, well, you know, we talked about the power. Now I'm going to end it practically, and I'll talk about, you know, how five easy steps to read the Bible or, or ten simple ways to understand the word better or this and that. But God stopped me as I was reading. He just, he stopped me. And I just didn't have peace about ending it that way. Again and again and again, I did not have peace. So I eventually realized, well, clearly he's not leading me to end it this way. Lord, what is it that you're trying to say to me? And y'all, don't let the band, don't let the music distract you from what I'm saying right now. This is the most important part of the sermon. So please hear me out right now. This is the most important part. I was sitting there in my office and I'm wondering, you know, Lord, what easy steps and tips and tricks do I give them to read the Bible? And God dropped a message on my heart. A message kind of like he dropped six and a half years ago. And I'm going to read it to you word for word because I want to give it to you exactly how I got it. Hear me today. He said, we will never be successful in reading, understanding, and applying the word of God if we are not in love with the Word of God. You can try, and you can try, and you can make your plan, and you can try to follow all the tips and tricks, and you can do your best, but until we fall in love with the Word of God, we will never be successful. Some of you are probably sitting there right now, and you've heard this sermon, and you said, yeah, you know, it all sounds great, and the scriptures all are good, but I just don't enjoy reading my Bible. I get tired. I get distracted. I, I don't understand it. I start the plan and I try to do good and I do all the right things, but I just can't. And I am here to tell you today that I know how you feel. There have been times when I was a pastor at this church that the only time I would open this Bible was when I had to write the sermon. 
I know how you feel and I know where you are and I know the misery of not being able to connect and I so believe the Lord is telling us today that he wants to inspire and grow a deep love for the word of God within us and once we have that the rest will come naturally I'm here to tell you that the word of God does not have to be boring it is alive and active and it brings transformation and encouragement and joy and hope and deliverance and peace and healing and it starts today by us saying Lord teach me to fall in love with your word again That's my challenge for you this week. And I'm not just using that as a buzzword. Oh, here's my challenge. Church, I am genuinely asking you to do this with me this week. If you owe me a favor, I'm asking for it right now. Would you take a challenge with me this week? And every time you think about it, make this your prayer. Lord, teach me to fall more in love with your word. When you're driving to work, Lord, teach me to fall more in love with your word. When you're in the shower, when you're cooking dinner, whatever you're doing, Lord, teach me to fall in love with your word again. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that, and it sounds weird, but there's power in a prayer like that. There was a man whose daughter had died, and he was asking Jesus to heal her, but he had unbelief in his heart. So you know what he said? He said, Lord, help me with my unbelief. And God did it. Lord, help me to fall in love with your word. God, I've I've grown out of love. I've grown tired of it. It's become mundane. It's become prosaic. God, show me to fall in love with your word again. And I believe in our life that he is going to do it. Your word is not going to be a chore. It's not going to be something you've got to cross off your list because, oh, yeah, I need to be a good Christian. That's works. That's religion. That's miserable. There is joy in the words of this book, and he wants to bring it to you. Teach us to fall in love with your word. Let me end with one last scripture. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And you know what it is? It's a love letter to the Word of God. Now, if that doesn't show us that we should be in love with His Word, I don't know what it will. The longest chapter in the Bible is entirely dedicated as a love letter to His Word. And Psalm 119, verse 25, is one of the most beautiful verses I've read probably in weeks, months, I don't know. It says, I lie in the dust. Revive me by Your Word. So many of us feel that. We lie in the dust. We feel like we're in the desert, like we're in the valley. We feel like dry bones, like like Ezekiel saw. I lie in the dust. Lord, revive me by your word. So many people pray for revival. Maybe you prayed for revival in your life and maybe you thought that it was going to start on a Sunday morning or in a prayer room or at a conference or at a camp service. But what if God wants to start his revival at home with us falling in love with his word again? Revive us by your word, Lord. Revive us by your word. If you would stand to your feet and if I could ask pastors and prayer partners to come up to the front. And if you'll stick with us for a couple more minutes, we'd so appreciate it. If you can't, we understand, but I fully believe God is not done yet in here. Because I was thinking about this sermon and I thought, you know, Lord, how do you do an altar call for this? Because the whole goal is for them to go home and read their word and make this prayer. 
But I just still felt so strongly that God has a great work that he wants to do at his altars. And here's what I thought of. That scripture that says that his word will never return void, that's not only talking about the Bible, that's talking about anything that God speaks. And today, what he is speaking to us is that he wants to revive souls in here. Maybe you need him to be alive and active. Maybe you need to feel joy. Maybe you need guidance. You don't know where to go. Maybe you need freedom, spiritual freedom. I don't know what it is, but I do know that the word of God won't return void. And he's telling us with his word today to receive from him whatever it is we need to receive. Maybe you've never fallen in love with Jesus and you need to receive him as your savior. Maybe a single thing from this sermon didn't speak to you, but you still have a prayer need. God is saying us to us through his word today to come receive from him. So on the count of three, as the band begins to pray, if you need prayer, we already have people at these altars. If you need prayer, do not hold back. On the count of three, come receive the word of the Lord. One, two, three. Come on, step forward and receive prayer today if you need it. If not, worship with us, and let's just allow him to move for a few minutes in here together.